0: Through these challenging times, we have all been inspired by a new definition of the term essential. A realization that material things may not be critical, but people are. Essential workers are our everyday heroes and deserve to be recognized and celebrated, now more than ever. Oxygen is a pH balance with electrolytes and boosted with oxygen, all to help you recover and rise. Unlike most bottled waters that are recyclable, oxygen is made from 100% recycled plastics, healthy for body and planet. The Recover and Rise campaign features five frontline workers who have risen to the occasion to help and better serve their communities and neighbors in need. In sharing these inspiring and courageous, stories we aim to paint a picture of what the new essential means and how when we come together we all recover and rise oxygen owner Stephen curry you may have heard of him said it is such an honor to have the opportunity to share these powerful and inspiring stories with the world frontline workers are the real heroes who are risking their lives by stepping up for others and their communities every day it's now on us to acknowledge and appreciate their service so they too can recover and rise Additional details can be found at DrinkOxygen.com. They have great deals on leaders now, so go to DrinkOxygen.com. And remember, oxygen is spelled O-X-I-G-E-N. If you want to follow on social, go to their Instagram at Instagram.com slash DrinkOxygen. But oxygen is not spelled typically. It's O-X-I-G-E-N. So Instagram.com slash DrinkOxygen O-X-I-G-E-N. Facebook, same, facebook.com slash drink oxygen, and twitter.com slash drink oxygen. Just go to drinkoxygen.com and get the use code OXYGEN1 at checkout for 20% off for your first time purchase. Remember, oxygen is spelled O X I G E N in this situation. That's drinkoxygen.com and use code O X I G E N1 at checkout for 20% off your first time purchase. Recover and rise today. Plus minus. Tim Kawakami deserves
1: all the credit.
0: Plus minus. That is a word
1: right there. What'd you say? Fluffle. Plus minus. Yeah, like like Marcus Thompson. Marcus always tells the truth.
0: Plus minus. The only thing that I would say to Ethan Strauss is that he's a pretty damn good reporter. Um, he's well respected. Plus minus.
1: I think he got the highest plus minus in the season in NBA history.
0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Extended Offseason Warriors Plus Minus podcast. I am hosting today because Marcus calling out to the bullpen again, or is he playoff baseball? Is that is that I guess the uh, issue here?
2: It's about matchups later. Just about matchups, and we just decided to, to go with a different. We're roster going small. We're going small. Yeah, we're going small. Yeah, going small ball. <laughs> yeah, just a quick. We had to make a last minute roster decision, but that's the way it goes. We're going go, go the righty versus the lefty. Who knows with MT It's It's the fun of living with MT, but off we go.
0: Good stuff to talk about this week. I would say, right? We have a, I think a pretty intriguing NBA finals matchup, which we can get to while also warriors technically have been practicing and like sprinkling in random news, I guess every other day or so, which direction do you guys want to go first? What is going on currently in the nba finals or what is going on behind bubble doors in san francisco
1: i say finals i say that's the big story in the nba uh no offense to the warriors the
2: big story the nba is doc rivers i want to talk about doc Rivers. Oh, yes we yeah. can certainly get to that that was a that was a shocker that was uh wow well, I'll just say, you know, nobody predicted it. I'm not saying anybody predicted it. I just say somebody who knows I know Jerry very well just said, hmm, I wonder what's up with Doc there. That's all like, you know, this was like right after the end of the of the elimination. So that's two, you know, almost two weeks ago. I think there was some feeling that this was a tempestuous, you know, this was, I'll put it this way. It, it felt like an NFL situation where you're firing a guy a year of, ahead of when you think you're going to fire the guy if next season's gonna be so weird, which I think we all can see it probably was going to be with Kawhi coming up as a, as a free agent, Paul George coming up as a free agent, Doc was, you know, headed, what, he's got three years left or however many, but you know, it was coming up to a time when they would have to renew their vows with Doc or not. Maybe you just make the call now. Like, you know, maybe you just say, let's avoid what next season could be and try to restart it in time to have Kawhi and George Play better in playoffs and feel better about the organization instead of just putting, you know, we all went through that with Durant thing. Like they built it and built it. And that last year was a very tough time to deal with. And maybe you just want to avoid that with Doc Rivers.
1: It's shocking. Maybe we should have seen it coming when that picture of Steve Ballmer inside the glass container of emotion or whatever Ron Burgundy said, uh, he looked so miserable. As they were choking away that game seven.
0: I'm in a glass case of emotion.
1: Man, he looked miserable. (laughs) Maybe we should have thought uh, this was a possibility, but it is. It's surprising. This was a thought that crossed my mind coming into the bubble, which is, will this be regarded as real? I'm not sure it should be. I'm not sure it should be regarded as real. It should maybe be regarded as this is an experiment. You want to win. It's fun to win. It would be cool to win a championship, but I don't know if this is the proper setting to analyze how good your coach is. But it seems based on the firings that these teams are regarding it as real or at least an allowable pretext to make these decisions, seems a little hasty. I
0: can't understand it just because Doc's adjustments were so bad. I will well, say that. Well, not only that, like this to me is like, not it's not just X's and O's, right? I mean, like you, you have to judge, you know, your situation on what happens with what you're given. You were given the bubble environment, you were given these type of playoffs, and your team emotionally crumbled within it. And chemistry was clearly a massive issue there and that's on the coach i like doc rivers but you can't just ignore the fact that you know some of your players came in out of shape and like clearly there's internal bickering about paul george and like all of what went down like doc rivers some of his best coaching qualities is supposed to be keeping a locker room you know sanctimonious and i know some coaches (laughs) who do the sanctimonious (laughs) thing well maybe maybe i picked the wrong word there but like all (laughs) rowing in the same direction you know what i mean even if they're it's almost mark jacksony where it's like we hate the outside world. Like, you know, remember the Celtics? It was always like... He could get sanctimonious, by yeah, the way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Mark could get sanctimonious. There you go. Doc Rivers failed in the bubble. I don't... Yes, you're right. The bubble environment is different than, than a normal basketball environment, but it's still a test for a coach, and he failed.
2: And I agree. Every other coach had the same conditions that were in the bubble. Uh, you can evaluate some things. It's all context. You know, not everything is the same. And you, you, I agree with Ethan. You can't just say this is all of our feelings. Like, we, you know, if they went into this thinking, Doc's the greatest, Doc's the greatest, Doc's the greatest. Wait a minute. In these three months, we've decided that he's not the greatest. There were elements, you know, I, you know, Yovan Bua at our place has, has written about there, there were some questions going in. I think the contractual situations with Kawhi and Paul George are very much on the horizon. Here's the real thing, though. Can they hire somebody better than Doc? That is the question. Like, you know, when the Warriors fired Mark Jackson, there was certainly controversy. There was certainly dispute. There's certainly like, whoa, but if you hire somebody better than Mark Jackson, it's okay. And they hire Steve Kerr. If. Do Clippers have that version? If they and they better know who it is. I mean, you got to think they, You got to think if, that you know. they already have it set up. Yeah. If, if you make if it's Ty Lue, if it's somebody else, Jeff Van
0: Gundy got floated.
2: Yeah. Jeff Van Gundy seems like a strange one to throw out there, but that's just me. In that situation, I like Jeff a lot.
0: I just
1: want Jeff to talk about load management with Kawhi. That seems like a, yeah, exactly. seems like a lot of entertainment no
2: right kidding. there. <laughs> There's a lot of people I could cross out in this one. Like Greg Popovich would be one. Mark Jackson would be one. A few others would be one. But, you know, I assume that they have a line on who they want. It's not just going to go through, you know, the regular people, that they have an idea exactly of what they want here, that you don't fire Doc. We can say all the things we want about Doc. It's just an immensely accomplished coach.
0: You can do worse. Somebody
2: immensely important who's figure con- in the NBA.
1: who's contributed a lot to the Warriors playbook. I mean, they use a lot of Doc Rivers plays. That's a huge chunk of the Warriors playbook, and I've asked, him questions about that, what it's like to get killed by the Warriors on plays that he invented. He found it kind of funny. I will say, I don't know everything about the Clipper situation, but I do know enough to know this. They are extremely sensitive about anything Kawhi wants. Extremely sensitive on that subject. Is there any chance they would do this without Kawhi's say so?
0: Heading into a contract year.
2: Yeah, what say-so? Is it is it like asking him out front, do you want him as a coach or not, or is it okay, by these five little indications from him, we're pretty sure that he doesn't want Doc. Like, you don't see players rushing to Doc's defense right now. You just don't see it. And so, and which you did see from Mark Jackson, by the way, with the Warriors. And maybe Kawhi's not that type, but I would get a sense, like the Nets knew with Durant and Kyrie, that they wanted Steve Nash. Now, I don't think they asked. They've said they didn't ask them, but I think they knew. And I think the Clippers, who are a very strong and well-informed front office, Probably had a very good idea that Kawhi would have liked somebody else. Now, who that is? Now, who does Kawhi like? There's a question I was like, Like, did he like Nick? Did he? Did he like Nick Nurse? Did he? Did he like Nick Nurse? I don't know. And <laughs> these things, I'm not sure about.
1: I'm interested in the system that Uncle Dennis is going to run next season. Oh my, Lavar <laughs> Ball! Wow! Wow! wow. Uh,
0: we haven't heard from Uncle. We haven't heard from Uncle Dennis in a while, by the way. This is me without intel, but I kind of get the sense the way this is going down, maybe Ty Lue is like getting close somewhere else. And they're like, you know what? We want Ty Lu. Yeah, that will be the standard way that happens. Yeah,
1: I like Ty Lu as a coach and also have talked to advanced scouts who are impressed with Ty Lue. Uh, he might be underrated because people chalk it up to LeBron. But uh, I, I think that's a that's as good an option as any as I look at the uh, as I look at the terrain out there. It's a shocker, though, especially because people are talking up Doc as a possible reason this all came together, this super team, and to see it end within a season uh, is pretty staggering. Pretty staggering. And they have problems beyond Doc. Maybe they can upgrade a coach. Maybe they can go get their own Steve Kerr or whatever, whatever. But it just seems as though they are building around a great player, an incredible player, Somebody who usually brings it in the playoffs in Kawhi, who personality-wise
2: makes it a little bit of shaky ground to build upon. I will say that much. We've read it. it's a, it's a lot of this or some of this is questions about why they play Montrezl Harrell so much you know, after he came back from his leave from the bubble. And he clearly was not good in the playoffs and, and was a disaster uh, in, in the, the, the Nugget series. And why don't they play Zubach? And, and Ethan, you texted me this, right? are like, after the series. And I agree with all that. But like, is that the reason to fire Doc Rivers, though? Like, that's the reason? Ty Lu was on that staff. I mean, it's not like Ty Lu I don't think Tai Lu was saying absolutely that we never should do that. Maybe he was. That'd be a little bit of a bad look for Ty Lu now that I'm thinking about it, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I just, that's why I think, like it does feel like he's a coach that the owner and the other executives might maybe got tired of and he'd been there a long time and they weren't sure what next season was going to go so if you're not sure but then again that's not an nba thing that tends to be an nfl thing you know it'd be tends to be like let's avoid the contractual situation that will happen next year like mike d'antoni coaches out
0: his contract literally coaches out his contract and that's more the way it works in the nba This was about him being the fall guy. The fall guy for a disaster. And I guess somebody had to be and they decided it was Doc because they didn't want to say nobody's the fall guy. Well, everybody decided it was
2: Paul George collectively. I mean, it doesn't
1: matter if they say Doc or
2: not. (laughs) Would you guys agree this is not the job you bring in like a first-time coach? I just don't feel that, right? You know, again, who knew with Nick Nurse? Who knew? But... Like, man, this is a tough one just to throw at a a, a career assistant. Go go get him. This is your first job. It feels like a young, proven head coach to me, which is hard to get, which is why I kind of threw at Michael Malone because I happen to know there's an executive there who really likes him. I have no idea if he's gettable
0: that's the type i would think for this job i'm not sure if you're michael malone i mean like that is that's a highlight job that's a potentially you go win a title but if you're mike malone like you have a 23 year old jamal murray and a 25 year old nikola jokic and you just beat the clippers with them in the playoffs cuz you know what could happen you could go there It could be a disaster next year, and then you're gone. You know what I
2: mean? It's just. No question. No question. Unless, you know, it's just Steve Ballmer's got a lot of money. That's what, you know, that's what people always say to me. Like, Steve Ballmer's got a lot of money. So when you start thinking about equations, it's a little different for him. You know, the Knicks got a lot of money, but they're stupid. There's just not that many teams that have that kind of money. And the Knicks have paid coaches stupid money, right? That's how they got Phil Jackson. That's how they get all these guys. Don Nelson going way back. Who knows? I, I just think it's a weird fit unless they've for sure got somebody lined up. Van Gundy just doesn't seem right to me. There's That normal list of candidates doesn't feel right to me. Of the conference finalist
1: teams, a uh, small sample size caveat, of course, all are under the age of 50. I wonder if there's just something about the modern NBA, just all you have to know, all you have to do, that makes it less of an old man's game. Uh, from the coaching position,
0: I'm going to go opposite of what you were just saying and throw out a name that I have not heard at all. But like D'Antoni's kind of behind the scenes looking for a job. What about D'Antoni as a fit there?
1: He's a very young looking senior citizen, by the way. Mike D'Antoni is. I mean, it's very impressive. I've
2: seen people suggest his name, and it just feels like the wear and tear of a Clippers with you know with Kawhi with Paul George. It doesn't feel right to me. Now, I understand the offensive kind of focus on that one. Again, I could see it happening, but. I don't know that that's where I would go. I would go younger. I would go schematic younger coach. If they, you know, find the next Nick Nurse. Do they have that? Find the next Eric Spolstra. Do is that identified? I think Tyloo is a good Michael coach. Lowe. I think Ty Lue's yeah, a good Ty coach. Yeah, Tyloo. It could be Tyloo. It could absolutely be Tyloo. And then you know what? Tyloo's got like you start asking like, wait a minute, you were the assistant and everything collapsed, but you're the one who ends up as a job. Were you kind of plotting against Doc this time? <laughs> I, I don't know but you the those Lizzie questions Hunter. start yeah those <laughs> questions begin to be raised again i like i think tylose is a really good coach he's obviously won a championship he's obviously dealt with strong personalities and he's got the you a know, lot of respect in this league we shall see as as this list continues maybe they float out a bunch of names just to get people distracted and they end up hiring tylose no, you know no matter what
0: i also like the dominoes going outward which is like i think doc rivers might be a really good fit in new orleans or philadelphia
2: i just want to say this i just
1: love the way that Anthony pronounces that city in Louisiana. That that is one of my favorite long running of, of the drinking game of the drinking game. that includes Warren McGarry. New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's got to be added to the drinking game docket right there. Sam
0: Presti in New Orleans. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, don't New say it. Don't see a Orleans. different way. Come on. There you go. There, there you go. go. Just make it sound more romantic. Maybe Doc. Will
0: wonderful. Hear
2: that and go. You know what? The way <laughs> he says that word really makes me want to coach it. But you know, we've said like Docs better with young kind of like up and coming teams than he is with, with these older you know heavy expectations superstar teams oh, except for with the celtics i shouldn't say the celtics was a loaded team you can't get bigger personalities than garnett and pierce and rondo and all that and he did pretty good with that team but you know there's something to be said that when you know he likes this like 10-man rotation he likes this you know when the clippers didn't have paul george and. In Kawhi Leonard, and they played the, the Warriors great two years. Was it, I can't even remember when that was last year. Was that last season? Yeah, that Jeez. was last season. Yeah. Yeah. It feels feel like 10
1: years ago. People were saying Doc did the best coaching job of anybody. I mean, this is life as a coach. You go from, oh, my God, you're incredible. Uh, you're the best there is, to fired within a season. I mean, I remember Steve Kerr was jealous of Doc, that Doc had this team that just played hard, full effort, strength and numbers. And within a season,
0: bye-bye, Doc. Coaching the profession is very strange in that sense of—it's funny because I'm covering Frank Vogel right now. And where Frank Vogel was a decade ago is like the up-and-coming defensive mastermind to then he went to Orlando and became like just basically like washed up, retread. Oh my gosh, like, you know, his system doesn't work anymore anymore honestly before he got hired by the Lakers like that wasn't even a name that mostly popped up it was almost a shock that the Lakers like wow you guys got Frank Vogel and now you know if he wins a title this year wow I mean he's a made he's man a great job yeah and he has done a great job but also like you know that can flip on its head too you know like let's say the Heat win the finals 4-1 and LeBron comes out it's like I didn't like our adjustments so suddenly it's like oh Frank you know that's just how the league works where uh you know coaches can get credit maybe sometimes that they should or shouldn't deserve, but, man, they really seem to be the fall guys in bad situations.
2: I mean, again, this is not a beloved name, but David Blatt was, like, heralded as this next great X and O star and gets the Cavaliers to the finals, and then they got a switch in the middle of another final run, and they won the championship without him. You know, now he's just... You know, like he's just disregarded. And that happens because of the finals. It happens because of the relationship with a superstar. I'll just say, we'll just try to get this to the Warriors at some point here. This chemistry, this sustainability, this enduring run with Steve Kerr and Bob Myers is pretty remarkable. Now, you win championships, you, can, you know, you get that leeway. Let's see what happens after if they go three, four years without one. But... We haven't had to think about this for a while, covering them. You know, This has not been a glimmer of a possibility. That kind of stability is good, but you got to pick the right person. They didn't have it with Mark Jackson even when they were winning. You've got to have the right set of characters and players and personnel people and ownership. But... Man, you look around, and that stability is a very comforting thing for I think everybody in the organization.
0: You know what they've had? If you go back to you know Steve Kerr's first year, you enter the off season in just Disney World, like of excitement. Essentially, I mean, like a lot of times, like franchises make seismic moves in the off season, and, and particularly they may, sometimes make panic moves. Like we could maybe call the Rivers a panic move because of what happened, and it's like. After off season one of Kerr, they'd won the title. After off season two, massive disappointment, but you get Kevin Durant and that just reforms the narrative. And then you win a title three, you win a title four. And then even in this last Durant year, yeah, it was a disappointment. But really it ended with Steve Kerr looking well. Like, remember that Toronto series? It was like, wow, what a what a job to even drag them to this point. Yeah, what more could he do? I think as we move forward though, like next season sets up as a potential very disappointing end for the like if that ends disappointingly then I think you really start to test the Steve Kerr Bob Myers relationship the organizational stability like you test that when the core is aging and maybe you get a second round you get bounced in the second round something like that
2: yeah and, and so much of the Kerr thing has been tied to Steph Curry right I mean if Steph Curry isn't the greatest player in the league for three seasons and he's not connected to Kerr as much as he is it's different but that's the way again that's the way the NBA works if you're connected to the greatest player, then you're going to be do pretty well and, and build a, a team around him, which, you know, Bob Myers has done so fluidly.
1: Yeah, I also think with Steve, he's just got more cachet. He's kind of a celebrity in the Bay Area now and pretty beloved. And even if there are people on... Warriors Twitter, who are going to get mad at him, it just seems like that's another factor that helps his security in a way that Doc didn't have in part because the Clippers cannot crack that. Uh, they cannot crack that. What is the word I'm looking for? Uh, the Laker ceiling. They can't be relevant in that town. They build the super team. So
0: you've got that first year title, and you become like kind of a made
1: man a little bit more when you get that one ring. I was talking with Amin El Hassan about how the NBA has this jealousy tier. Of teams that, uh, if they get a free agent, everybody's mad about it, and it's an exclusive club. And I think right now it's Lakers, Warriors, Heat. Those are the teams. The Clippers could get there with all the money Balmer has and being in L.A., but it just seems like even after building the super team, they're farther. <laughs> they're, they're pretty far from from being in that in that strata. And um, it's kind of unfortunate. It's funny. It's 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 such a it's uh, such a paradox in a way for them to have this incredible roster, but to also have had it in a way they didn't want with Kawhi forcing the issue and them being leveraged into not such a great trade by uh, by Presti drink. No, they, not if you are say not if you
0: say. It. Nah, I think Sam Presti oh, okay. will,
1: will drink there, but uh,
0: he you know he, he <laughs> should get a drink with anyone mentions. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, getting back to the Warriors, I am with Slater, though, overall, that it could be a very disappointing season, that this is now, it's going to put whatever was happening before into stark relief. We're going to get a sense of how good are these Warriors, can they compete for a title, and if they can't, they are going to be a lot of hurt
2: feelings. No question, I mean, but this is some amount of years into this, so we'll see, it's up to how good the players are. Well, okay, Slater, you've been following the Zoom calls on the Warriors minicamp. Any initial impressions, anything that you didn't expect? Anything come out of there that, that's worth discussing on a podcast for 20 minutes or
0: so? Yeah, um, I would say two things. Number one, we could start with Clay. I mean, they're like kid gloves Clay a little bit. I mean, what is he, like 16 months post-surgery, 15, something like that. And they didn't have him in the scrimmages the last couple of days. He's cleared for five-on-five. Five. He is doing all the contact stuff he can. I think, you remember how like they really kid glove Steph? coming back from that hand injury of like, we need to get them in like absolute peak condition before we drop them in there. I think they're doing a little bit of that, but it's just interesting to know that like 15 months after they're still having a scrimmage at the facility yesterday and saying, you know what, you can uh, not be involved in this scrimmage. So uh, I guess that's probably the most news coming out of there. Beyond that, from what I'm hearing, just talking to people, uh, it is becoming and I, I wrote about this a little bit, but it is becoming, pretty obvious when you get them all in a room they're really small they're kind of unathletic I mean Marquis Chris is their starting center uh and Kevon Looney is his backup and that's it look at the, the setting the stage for the Wiseman draft like, just through <laughs> just just nudging them just nudging them look we can discuss that and I very much remain on that train but if it's not Wiseman it better be somebody in free agency because you are not winning the west with that includes now Nikola Jokic and Anthony Davis up towards the top with you know, Marquise Chris as your starter. And like, yeah, we can talk about Draymond Green at five, but like Draymond Green is not the Draymond Green of past years. And if they're relying upon him to just like in a seven-game war of a series be the center for 30 minutes a night against Jokic and and Davis, I think that's a losing proposition. I think they need to get a legitimate 25-minute-a-night center. If I was suggesting them, I would say draft Wiseman and go sign a veteran you know honestly a name I dropped out there you guys are probably gonna laugh me out of the podcast I think they should go after Dwight Howard Dwight Howard's been really good in the playoffs Dwight Howard was a Nikola Jokic irritant in that series and I understand he doesn't necessarily fit like the the skilled passing the David West the Andrew Bogut type role Zaza role but he would I think he would fit that starting lineup I do that's a good observation on a Jokic irritant Jokic
1: is just a strange player I mean Jokic gives Stephen adams problems i think he's just so idiosyncratic versus what a normal center does that i don't even know if it's a matter of draft for size to deal with him i don't even know but it's a great point that you've got him and you've got davis in the west and the warriors front line is too small yeah i i don't know i don't know man i'm seeing killian hayes momentum i'm seeing scouts i'm seeing i'm seeing his agent is getting to work
0: I was on a Zoom call with him yesterday, which we can get to. But I would just say the main thing is you talk to people behind the scenes. And Tim, we were talking about, hey, it's good to get these guys in practice because then you kind of feel what you are as a team. And there's a there's a sense that they're not big and athletic enough. Now, I'm not saying that has to be James Wiseman. I'm just saying, I think we forget about what Durant did for them defensively as he he was a seven footer. We think about their past teams and there's this idea of like, well, it was Draymond at center and you just small balled and won. Well, you had a wing that was seven foot tall and, and was like ninth in the league and block shots. You have Bogut was on that team last year and was obviously on the earlier teams. Zaza played a more important role back uh when he was still decent. David West, like they just don't have that. That's a massive hole on the roster that in my opinion if they want to get back to you know real contending status, they need to fill that hole.
2: And guess I'm going to throw another name. Andre Iguodala, who is now the Heat's backup center in the finals. Iguodala and Durant served as power forwards. That's what they were for the Warriors for a lot. Uh, And they don't have anybody who can do those things. I, I completely agree. And... I think Wiseman and adding a center is the way to go. Now, you don't have to add, if you're going to draft Wiseman, you don't want to invest so much in another center. But flexibility, it matters. We talk about it, but it doesn't just mean six foot six guys. It means the flexibility to go guard a big, go have somebody who can can defend on the perimeter and still be big and still drop back and still help protect the rim. And they do not have that. And if you are in the right spot to draft a guy who's that i think that is interesting i didn't hadn't thought of it that way but the way you describe it they look around and go okay this is who we got you know draymond's not there steph's not there but everyone else we could do better at certain areas here and they could probably do they could do better at a lot of different areas they were 15 and 50 last season but that makes sense like if if you're going to get something out of it it doesn't all have to be positive it can be like okay Forget all this talk about, like, making a big trade for wing. For now, that's, I'm sure that's still out there. Let's go get a big guy. You know who their, their tallest player is. Hole. I don't even know. Alan Smiley-Geach is Smiley- geach that's it. It could be. Well, wow. Yeah, you're just completely disregarding Smiley-Geach as the answer to all
0: things.
1: It seems like he sort of leans forward in a way or walks in a way that makes him appear shorter than he is.
0: He's the only player in the roster that's 6'10". Their two centers are 6'9", which... Like Marquise is much is a much uh, bigger presenting six foot nine because he's more of like the high flyer.
1: I'm gonna play devil's advocate. Maybe this will transition us into the finals discussion. Heat don't need a lot of size to be effective
2: because Adebayo so good. I mean, you, know, you have it's because he was he's he's a version of Draymond when Draymond was 26 years old. You know, like just completely throws off everything because he can play big and yet he has all those you know, wing skills. I mean, God, in that last game, he was dribble, drive, pull up, leaning jumper. I mean, that's, you don't see many guys who can play center who do that. And, and he was doing it. It's a unique skill. Okay, let's just switch to it. I was just in my mind, if you had to take one player off that heat roster to build around, who would it be? Yeah. It would be yeah. Bam, although Tyler Hero's kind of making
0: it interesting. Yeah, Thirty-seven great, points on Marcus yeah, Smart. So,
2: yeah, yeah, Hero because he's so young, no question. But man, if I had to win again, like even if I'm throwing out ages, I'd take Bam over Jimmy Butler. I mean, I just—he's so unique. He's just so unique. You know, I don't know that he can guard Jokic.
0: Well, you know what we're about to see? We're about to see Bam against Anthony Davis in the finals, and that is going to be very interesting. Absolutely. But you know what? The, you know, that's
2: the, the one thing about the Heat is they got some other guys they can throw at him.
0: Well, they got to throw all those guys at LeBron, though. That's the pro- I think they need to go Bam AD and then all the wings on LeBron is it's my prediction. But- well, also, they'll go 2-3 zone. They'll go zone.
1: What's
2: the series price right now? I haven't, I haven't checked that out, but I know the Lakers are heavy. I think Lakers are like... Favorites. Two and a half to one, something like that. Something like that.
1: I got to say, the Heat are a sneaky, sneaky upset pick. Obviously, the Lakers should be favored, but the Heat, you got some of the elements you want. You you have a guy who's a good option to guard Davis. Maybe Davis will kill him, but it's as good an option as you're going to find theoretically. You've got three-point shooting. You've got versatility. And it's not an environment in these finals that is the typical finals environment that
0: tends to uh, rattle young players.
1: I think they're a sneaky upset pick. I'm kind of feeling them. I
0: picked Lakers in seven, but but I agree. I think the Lakers are being considered far too big a favorites than they are. Miami's starting lineup presents the Lakers' starting lineup with issues that the other team—well, Houston kind of did, but then Vogel proactively went small and won that series. But the fact that the four, the 3-4 on the Heat right now is Duncan Robinson, Jay Crowder, and they're both taking 8-10 threes a game. Meanwhile, are the Lakers going to—they really don't shouldn't stick with uh, A.D. JaVale, but they went to A.D. Dwight. And it made sense against Denver. I'm not sure that makes sense against Miami. I think they should go to Marquise Morris or Kuzma in the starting lineup. But if Vogel's late on that, suddenly they're down 1-0, they're down 2-0, I don't know. I actually think it's a really good finals overall because you have the X's and O's interesting aspect, but also you have LeBron, Pat Riley, LeBron, the Heat, Pat Riley, the Lakers, uh, Vogel back against the Heat, you know, Iguodala LeBron.
1: Am I wrong for thinking those storylines don't really pop for people? Like there, there are these obvious storylines, but I just don't think that they. We
2: just don't have a storyline culture right now because of the pandemic. That's my feeling. Like we don't have these stories building up. This because you can't talk to these guys. Like you know, we what would we have? We'd have story after story of you know, what does LeBron think about what's going on with Miami? What is Miami? Media day is in about an the, hour. But... Yeah, we'll, well, yeah, we'll see if they if Slater can drum it up for us. But you just don't have. I, I've experienced this because I'm covering some of these things, and you just don't have this build up because we can't get to these people it's just it's a fact i'm not complaining about it but it's just a fact that's an upside of the nba's bad ratings i think
1: is that if the nba got killer ratings during this bubble with the media shut out of everything god we would never see them again right we would be at arm's length forever but now
2: it's hey you might hate us you might the nfl's getting good ratings does that mean that they're going to shut us out forever i would hope that does not occur the NFL ratings I think is a mixed bag. I
1: not to go ratings nerd yeah, or just not go maybe too ratings part of game. Either. For instance, when ESPN puts the Monday Night Football game on ABC, ESPN, and two other channels, and then combines all the viewership to say that they're setting a record number, I, I, I call uh, I call foul play
2: on that one. That's a little bit That's shenanigans, I would say. <laughs> it's a big but it's a it's a big audience NFL's a big audience. But let's let's shift over. just this one thing that Jay Adande brought up and I really i'm really thinking about is again and we don't have all this preliminary and that's but let's let's understand that maybe it happens today the fact that they talk jimmy butler and Dwayne wade and spolster talk about miami culture miami culture and they never mention lebron's name and yet he's the greatest player in franchise history they win the champion the two championships only because he was there he just chose to go there then he leaves and then you know i'm thinking of this as adonde says it and then i'm reading dan wojke in the la times and it's they're talking about how Butler's just merged with this culture fantastically. And we've got Spolscher talking about the great leaders in the established heat culture. Udonis Haslam and Alonzo Mourning and Dwayne Wade and da-da-da. No mention of LeBron. It's fascinating to me. I understand it. It definitely hits true. They were burned up on, on what he did to them. But, I mean, yeah, it's, really it is like that. he is your greatest player in franchise history. You won the championships not that long ago. And I know they're playing him, but and I don't think... Spolstra knew that when he was telling telling that to Wakey. It's just fascinating. It's a fascinating dynamic. And, it, you know, and he did not really fit that culture. I mean, that, that's the point. He did not really fit the Pat Riley culture, and he proved that by leaving. It's not like, nothing against him, but it's just a fact of the situation.
1: Well, he uh, left in such a way where the he—I don't know if I'm telling tales out of school here, but— It was a weird, bridge-burning kind of way that he did it, from what I've heard at least.
0: He took it so deep in a free agency, he left them kind of like with their pockets empty. And remember they almost lost Chris Bosh to Houston because of it?
1: Well, it was that, and it was also the meeting itself was one in which grovel, basically grovel before me, Pat Riley.
0: We will be right back after a quick word from our sponsors.
1: It seemed like a lot of resentment had built up from LeBron towards the Pat Riley regime um, and the restrictiveness of it, and he expressed that on the way out, which is his right, and ultimately things worked out for him. But it seems as though there is there is bad blood there, um, even if it was such a mutually beneficial
0: relationship. You know what you two are proving to me right now? This is a much sexier storyline than you were trying to admit it was. This is a very good final storyline. Pat Riley's over under on... Pans up to him in the glass box with the mask on, peering over this bubble it, during each ABC finals game has got to be what 12 uh, you know views of Pat Riley per game. This is going to be built up. We are part of the machine right now that is building it up. All the NBA podcasts out there today will talk about it. A bunch of LeBron questions in his media day uh and we will get that today. ABC is going to pump and pump and pump it in their pregame tomorrow night. I assume you guys will probably watch Lakers Heat. It seems like a it should be good TV. I think this is going to be... A much better storyline than even Lakers-Celtics, despite the brands are, because there's no personal history, and much better than Lakers-Bucks would have been. We would have seen LeBron and Giannis, cool, but other than that, there's no connections. I love Lakers-Heat. I agree. I prefer Lakers-Heat as a series. I think Lakers-Celtics
1: gets watched by more people, but there are good storylines. They might be, though, what it doesn't have is the player storylines, I guess is what I'm saying. It has this intriguing LeBron, Miami, uh, Pat Riley, Spolster resentment, all of that, but it doesn't have typically what we want as viewers of the players themselves um and them having some kind of bad blood that's what it's missing that's what i'm saying where it's not really having the buzz as a as a as an amateur buzzologist
2: i think the pandemic has is affected a lot of this i really do like to, not to make it all personal and and our little professional desires but having reporters around talking to people adds color it does build up things it does create like oh there's jerry west talk remember like that time he just showed up at practice and they started talking about lebron like boom that was a huge story jerry west is praising lebron james as one of the greatest players of all time like those things matter and you're not getting much of that right now and it's nobody's fault. Nobody's fault. It just again, uh, and and yeah, Ethan talks about yeah, in but I am a connoisseur of those moments. Uh, you know me, I love those moments. I love to run into somebody, get somebody to talk about something that he normally doesn't. And it adds flavor, it builds things. And we're not getting those stories. And this is just this is the result of the pandemic. Let me flip this. And I don't want to Bang on Durant, like I tend to sometimes do. Whoa, but KD from yeah, left I know. field. Switch we over, came. but isn't no isn't the, the LeBron thing with the Miami culture going to be the, the way Durant's thought of with the Warriors culture, right? I mean, are you ever going to go, yeah? Oh, Steph, Draymond, Clay, and Durant. No, you're not. You're going to say Livingston, or you're going to say Iguodala. You're not going to say Durant. Why? It's a just a difference, yeah, he's, he, he's a two-time Finals MVP of the Warriors. Although the Warriors did win before him, so there is a difference. I'm not the saying he The Heat
0: did, but, too, back in the day, but I know what you're
2: yeah, saying. Yeah, way back, way back, yeah, way back. But, yeah, it, it just you're not going to say, man, that Warriors culture, Kevin Durant, you're not going to say that.
1: No, it's uh, Kevin Durant, A-Rod, uh, Steph Curry, Jeter, as far as the fan base uh, resonates to it. But the Miami situation was a little bit different because I think the Heat fans got so emotionally invested in the LeBron saga— and being hated because of LeBron, and LeBron being hated, and I think he loomed larger. Even if the approval rating is higher for Wade, LeBron was just this all-encompassing thing in a way that was a little bit different.
2: He's a Durant equivalent on the Warriors, and Wade is the Steph equivalent. I mean, I think it's just right there for us all to see. It's like... Wade was Except their first. Wade, like, retired during the heat run. <laughs> I mean, it's the difference. Well, you know, he, yeah. it, it, they're a little different in times of their careers. But I'm just talking in franchise belovedness in, you know, the person who personifies what the fans want to believe that their team is about. It's with the Warriors and Steph Curry. And in a lesser degree, Draymond Green and, and, and Clay Thompson. And it's not Kevin Durant in Miami it's Dwayne Wade and to a lesser Bosch is mentioned in there it's Udonis Haslam is mentioned in there and it's not LeBron it's just I mean these are two best players in the universe of the last 20 years and they're not mentioned as the key parts of the
0: of the well LeBron's Cleveland you know what I mean like yeah LeBron's Cleveland no quite well that's but they draft but they drafted him Wade drafted by the heat won that early title by the heat that I mean trust me I was a heat fan growing up I was 13 when uh, Dwayne Wade was drafted I was 16 when he won the title like I had Dwayne Wade's shoes like he grew up with the Heat and that matters just like Steph Curry grew up with the Warriors and the reality is LeBron James has the decade almost of Cleveland background before he even got to Miami and Dwayne and Kevin Durant had the Thunder background he Kevin Durant was Thunder He, he was not you know Warriors he got to the Warriors when he was like 28 or something
2: yeah, absolutely. I'm just saying it's it's a comparable, and it's a comparable situation. Is
1: LeBron the king of, you know, they talk about winning ugly for the games themselves. Is he the king of winning ugly when it comes to franchise decisions, when it comes to career choices, where he goes to these places, he burns bridges, sometimes it looks like it's not working out, but in the end, here we have, again, LeBron... Back in the finals, you know, a lot of discontents on the way to doing it. That crazy situation with Anthony Davis and New Orleans and, and everything else. But here he is. You can't argue with success. And I feel as though there's just something to the LeBron saga where he just continues, continues to get his way, continues to do it in a way that pisses people off. But and you can hear my alarm yes. going off in the background. So it's a hot take. Warmth yeah, yes, hot wow! Hot take. Well,
2: I was like, I don't know if it deserves it. The, the hot take <laughs> alarm, but that's okay. LeBron's the greatest player or the second greatest player in NBA history. Let's just say that. People can say, does this define his legacy? It's done. His legacy is set. He is either the best or the second best player. At least, you know, you can put Bill Russell in there too, but at least one, two, or three, probably one or two. Because he's so good and has been so good for so long, and he's so savvy about his contracts, he's been able to be, he's, is LeBron more powerful than most teams? You know, it's it's possible. So he's just it's just a different level of control. It's a different level of understanding where he is. Does that produce maybe less love in each market? Yes, I I think it does. He doesn't care. That's fine. He's a national thing. He's an international thing. He's not just a local thing. We were talking before the show like baseball is a regional fandom. It absolutely is. Although I know Ethan's going to be watching the games today and not watching the NBA finals tomorrow. But wow, (laughs) I will watch both,
0: sir. I will have two in two (laughs) thousand twenty.
1: I will write about this, and I maybe this is the place to float it because I think I'm going to just be by the book, the numbers uh, for the most part for the upcoming article, but very surprised at how few people were watching the lakers and lebron conference finals so i do wonder if there's something to at least when he's on the Cavs or on the heat it was more resonant than when he's on the lakers i was frankly shocked i was shocked by the numbers that they were pulling i was shocked that the lakers clinched on a saturday night with nothing going against it no football or anything like it and uh, not not cracking i don't think the nuggets helped yeah yeah. but we have comparables like the Lakers going against the Nuggets a decade ago.
0: Well, well, that's that's just a general where viewership is going. And like, again, we don't need to get deep into ratings. I will just say shockingly low I would say shockingly low I I would but I'm not sure that's a LeBron not resonating on the Lakers thing I think that's like nine other issues which you also probably agree with I think it is because we've seen
1: that it just hasn't given the league the boost before all this craziness before the pandemic that that you would think that there's just something about it that you would just think you would think it would be like when Shaq joined the Lakers and it's just not that
2: but what what if it wasn't the lake what what if it, the nuggets versus the heat what if it was a nuggets clippers western conference finals like it's, it's better with lebron than it would have been without lebron lebron adds i mean
1: this is a, it's a it's a tricky thing to parse i guess what i'm trying to parse is lebron cavs seems to resonate way more than lebron lakers
0: by the end, LeBron Cavs is pretty dull. I mean, the first time he came around that LeBron, that 2016 finals, unbelievable storylines. By the end, LeBron and the Cavs was like, Ugh, I don't want to watch this LeBron Cavs team anymore. So I don't know. <laughs> kind of de- it depends on like the, the arc of the story. You know what I mean? Like, It's been a lot of LeBron, by
2: the way, too. It's a lot. It's 10 trips to the finals, which is amazing, which is incredible. We all thought the pandemic might jack up all the ratings. I think the pandemic actually has done the reverse. It makes everything a little flatter. Everything's a little flatter. And, and again, I've talked about like reporters not being around. I'll, let's put that to side. I, I, I do really believe it, but you just—it's just game after game after game after game. It gets a little flat. It's a little flat.
1: It's a pageantry, right? I mean, you think about you think about the last finals that that we were at, and just the crowd, and just just this the atmosphere when Durant comes out to play in that game. And he's like a boxer going to the ring almost. And there's all these cameras and flashbulbs. And, I mean, there is just something to the atmosphere that it's truly lacking. But I I would also just say that it it is – there is something about the LeBron Laker thing that you would think – you would think. I mean, you're talking about the marquee franchise. You're talking about the marquee player, a franchise that's been in the wilderness for a decade. And they've done a great job. I mean, unlike the Clippers, they would bring it every night. The Lakers did. And just
2: play inspired basketball. I mean, it is LeBron, but like, who's their best drafted player on that team? Kuzma, you know, it, drafted it, player it becomes yeah, that's a, a huge. Like the, that's the, a huge. The fans part of aren't that. I mean, you listen, everybody's. Honestly,
0: in you want to know the name that like There's no that, there's no that, Kobe. That's. Kobe's still the name, you know like they, they win these games and have to fan is like for you Kobe and I'm like oh, trust me I'm not criticizing that I'm just saying like they that's how they connect to their past it's like you know don't oh, believe me you know I know that I know that
1: every conference finals game Kobe played in was watched by more people than every conference finals
2: game we just saw with the Lakers so that's one stat and that might be true no matter what in, the, in with the lowered viewership across the board i
0: also think what's going on in the world particularly in our political realm right now it just regardless of how you feel politically it's just hard to pay attention to something that isn't that important in you know comparison you don't have to sell me
1: on multiple factors this is a multiple factor situation it's hard to disaggregate them but i do think it is generally true that the lebron laker thing has been a enormously successful and b just not as resonant with the uh, sports fan public as we might have thought considering the collision of biggest name biggest
0: okay team. last topic quick lamello ball and uh killian hayes were on a zoom yesterday um both of them were... not to get not together not not together, together not, not together. together the killian hayes one was interesting uh you know he he did he said he said his agent had has mapped him going anywhere from two to 10. He said he would love to play on the Warriors. Somebody asked him about the Cavaliers, who I think have, what, like the fifth pick? And he was like, no, don't want to go there, basically, because they already have two young guards. So I thought that was interesting. Then you flip to the little mellow ball zoom. It was weird. He was in a Detroit gym with the gym in the background. He almost seemed very disinterested to be there. Everyone kept asking him about their team. You know, hey, did you talk to the Knicks? Have you talked to who? At one point, they asked him if he talked to the Wolves. He's like, I don't know. Uh, which was a weird answer. <laughs> then I did. I asked him about uh, Lavar saying he's not a fit with the Warriors. I thought he that was his best answer. He actually, I think, when that came up, he was like, All right, "I want to kind of nip this." And he said, "Like, hey, he's his own man. I'm my own. He has his opinions. I have mine. Neither of us think that the Warriors are going to pick Lamelo Ball, but it was. Uh, I don't know. It was interesting to hear him say that. Get him on the record.
1: Fun storyline. I was such a Lamelo skeptic, but you know you, you see smart people like Nate Duncan being so pro LaMelo it gives you pause it makes think you that's wonder I
0: Hollinger's number 1 isn't it is not thats that right is Hollinger having Yeah one?
1: and I don't and I don't agree with them but it gives it, it definitely makes me a little because I just based my analysis off watching the the games in Australia and I thought no I do not want the I me mean, fifth top 5 pick no thank you but smart people are coming to different conclusions and you have to respect that and I do Man, did Killian have to do it on Yom Kippur? I mean, I would have wanted to be on that call. I'm just saying. Come on, Killian. How's Killian's English, by the way, Slater? Just for
2: future reference, if if we should need to know this, he trains. He trains in Florida, and
0: he mentioned all the well, lefties he's texting, that he, he he's, te- he's
2: texting Ethan all the time too. Yeah, so, all the go. time, yeah. all the time. He mentioned uh, all the lefties <laughs> he
0: watched, which I thought was interesting. He mentioned Dragic. and
2: uh... if he's anything like Drajic, I mean, my God, you know but, Yeah, we'll, we'll see, but. I, yeah I, I like hayes better I'm, I'm ethan a little bit i mean i like hayes better than the ball for the warriors uh, i understand the ball love i mean he's really skilled but who is he going to defend you, you get yourself in a playoff series and you got to defend a guard is he going to defend you know lillard is he going to defend any the those crazy guys?
0: thing is like if you and you know it would probably take about four years so he's like you know 22 23 like he would have a long project to get there but like Lonzo Ball is a terrific defender because he's super long and and active defensively. And like, but he was bet, he was okay at UCLA.
2: He was okay.
0: My point is like Lamelo's. It's not like you know how D'Angelo Russell. It just didn't seem like physically he could be a good defender. Lomelo Ball, I think physically could be. Now you have to get him to that point. But he's Pretty like a, he's a huge long guard. Maybe maybe Sean Living. But he's also nineteen. He's also nineteen. I see some Michael
2: Porter Jr. defense in him. I, I you know like Michael Porter Jr. I don't care if he's just coming back from the back injury. although he's not just coming back he's never going to play good defense he's never ever going to play good defense i can just tell there's just something about him that he does not have any interest in playing defense and I get that from LaMelo. Other than they're both incredibly... And you know, listen, LaMelo border does not hurt you People as a People can a change
0: mentally but between the ages of 19, 20, 21 to like 25. Like, where, where I'd agree with you is like LaMelo Ball is not going to be locking anybody up in the 2022 playoffs, but maybe the 2025. Being 180 yeah, pounds. Yeah, okay, but that's... A, and that, You know, yeah, that's five years not always going to be 180 yeah. pounds. Like, the guy is like sprouting as an athlete. Like, you can grow differently. And like, he might be 210 pounds come... You know, 2023. Now, I'm I'm not advocating to draft him. I think he's either a disaster or uh, or you hit gold, and I'm not sure the Warriors should, you know, choose that option. But I'm just saying, I wouldn't discount him long term potentially as a good defense. Do you know not? I mean, like, could he not be Lonzo Ball defensively at some point?
2: Again, I thought Lonzo was. I always thought Lonzo was a pretty good defensive player. So I mean, again, that's my bias from having watched him at UCLA, and I just saw it. Like this guy, like cares. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't. But he did. He was a little hard nosed, and i don't know that Lamelo balls is is, is hard nosed on defense. like like lonzo would get in there stick his face in it, and go get the ball rondo kind of like sometimes and he, he does go for the steal probably way too much but it shows he wants to go get the ball i don't know that lamello is like that at all i just think they're different characters i'll take lonzo over lamello i'd do it right now and and even with that funky jump shot they both have funky jump shots but lonzo lonzo really does i just think he's more of a complete player I, i'll take lonzo ball all day I will not be in love with Lamella Ball unless I see something entirely different. Again, that might be completely my bias from watching at UCLA. I admit that. And watching Ethan's cut-ups, uh, editing his stories from Australia... I just don't see the same thing. I see some Michael Porter Jr., like minor Michael Porter Jr. And, I like again, I, I like Michael Porter Jr. as a, you know, part-time player. I do not like him as a full-time player right now. And I see some same things and without the jump shot. Like, you know, Porter can shoot the ball. I don't know that Ball is ever going to shoot like that. But the same kind, you know, get to the rim, kind of, you know, make some interesting plays, challenge the defense. I think LaMelo Ball will do that. He's probably a much better passer than Porter. But, Man, on the defensive side, you can't play Porter. Like you just, Michael Malone cannot play Porter to finish games. Or if he does, he's giving up so much on the other side. It's it's a Lou Williams situation, and I think once you have that, Lou Williams never got it. You know, like those guys, like they're just only thinking about scoring the ball on the other side, and it's a hard thing to mix in as the number two overall pick in my mind. Silence! I wiped. I, I just floored you
0: with that one. Wow, Mr. Strauss. Killian Hayes remains numero uno atop your warriors board.
1: I'm going down with the ship, man. I'm I'm going down with the ship. I uh I. Hey,
2: Sh- Schrader's little b- career pusher has helped you out, by the way. In this argument, like if Schrader, like two years ago was like out. Oh, you forget about it. Anybody compared to him is terrible. Now, Sh- or Schreuder, I guess we call Schroeder is a good player. And if if Killian Hayes is that, that's a good player. And he put up better numbers than he did that that comparable.
1: And look, we're going off not too much information. We didn't even get. We're full getting closer of Any of these, yeah, we're getting. No, but I'm saying that we're we're not getting full information on any of these guys. And I was enjoying watching Hayes play, and uh, was was enjoying uh, was enjoying the games and sort of coming up with okay, I think he does this well. I think he does that well. And then the season stops, and so you're not confident in any take. But my general belief in this is that playmaker perimeter guy so much more value than you're getting from bigs typically so that's one of the reasons why he's there for me but i understand i understand what slater's saying i understand the wiseman logic i like me some akongwu um if you want to make a bam comparison right there that's a pretty good one can he shoot though if he can shoot i think akongwu can shoot i think akongwu can shoot he's over 70 percent on the free throw is good shooting Wiseman might be able to shoot (laughs) We'll see. He might be. Oh, that's like we've seen. I mean, we've seen one game against a real team from Wiseman. Wiseman might be able to do a whole lot of things. I mean, it's it's so hard to know. But I think Okongwu within a year or two is going to get that three point shot going. So I don't think he has the quicks and the playmaking potential of Bam. I think that's that's tough. But yeah,
2: so those are all options. He's six eight, right? He's not a big center. I think he's right around six nine ish. No, okay, yeah, yeah, but you know, then you're t- again, you're talking yeah. about a not big center. Yeah, Warriors got Wiseman. The thing, yeah, the thing with Wiseman is he is a big center. He is a big center who can play with big centers. Sometimes big centers are really bad though,
0: so they don't. That's why there's he's like there's already a, Rudy big Gobert big. size, which is like, wow. Uh, yeah. All right, you guys good? We're good. All right. <laughs> That's the old Ritter right there. Yeah. The old yeah, we're Raven. Good, we're, we're good, 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 we're good, good. We're going to get we're on a Zoom. We, that... we, we... They got Michael Mulder on a Zoom call today. Michael
2: Mulder. Michael
1: <laughs> Mulder on a Zoom call. We need call. You know, Clay Thompson. Got, uh...
0: Clay Thompson is going to be on a Zoom I call. I would love <laughs> for Clay Thompson to be on a Zoom call, but they've just, uh, they have not. Died. We've got
1: Rocco in his place. Rocco on the Zoom call. It's the International Dog Day.
0: Oh, <laughs> my. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, yeah, no, I hope they do get Clay on a Zoom call, but I think Clay has to agree to go on that Zoom call. And yes, He's doing probably a pretty, pretty good probably, job, probably. but it seems avoiding them. So, all right, everybody, we will talk next week. It'll be right around the middle of the NBA Finals, which should be interesting, and right around the end of mini-camp for the Warriors. Hopefully, Clay will have talk by then. We will see you then.